KOST HD2, Los Angeles, Orange County. You are halfway to the weekend already. Here's Jennifer Jones Lee with your Wednesday morning wake up call. Your drive this morning may not be the most pleasant one you've ever had. It's KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'd like to tell you about my morning. And I will. Um, because it's going to probably be much like your morning. And on a morning when it's raining this heavily, I always leave 10 minutes early. Because I figure I'm going to go slow and I'm a lead foot. So really what that means is I'm going to go the speed limit for once. But I plan on it, right? And I got to 210 and 57. And it was brake lights all around. It looked like Christmas with all the little red lights. And I went, oh, no. And this is right before 4 o'clock. You know, 355-ish, somewhere in there. And all of a sudden, I have to call producer Michelle and say, um, well, here's my dilemma. And I'm in the middle lane with all big rigs next to me on the 210. So how do I get off? I, I don't know how to get off. I can't get off. Am I supposed to do like put my hand out the window? Hi, big rigs. Hey, can you just move just a little bit so that I can Tetris my way off of the freeway? Anyway. After about 15 minutes, then there was a little bit of movement. And so if you saw a little white car with a short blonde girl and a really short arm sticking out the window saying thank you this morning, that was me. I got off the freeway at Grand. I flipped back around. And it's not like you can punch it, you know, to get home. So it was like, oh, I hope I make this show. So I walked in the door, back in the door here at 4.46 this morning, which is not optimal to set up a show. But you know what? We're going to do it, and it's going to be fun. And uh, in about five minutes, Tyler's going to tell you what happened to him because he, too, has been screwed over by what the storm has done to the drives around here. So some of the stories we'll be watching, of course, the snow levels and all the rain will get into that. Also, 5.05, we're going to talk with Galen Druk. I thought this was kind of fascinating, and I hadn't thought a lot about it. But if most Democrats say that they don't want President Biden to run for re-election in 2024, who's next? Who's that name like a Barack Obama who's going to, you know, rise to the top and be that, you know, punch in the arm that the Democrats need? I don't know. So we'll talk with Galen in just a few minutes. Let's start with some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Snow levels in Southern California are forecast to drop to 2,500 to 3,500 feet or lower as this latest storm moves through. Winter storm warnings and watches are in effect in the mountains, which are feet deep in snow. Roads have been closed and only residents have been allowed at times to go up with an escort. In fact, this woman says she's been trying to get up to Crestline. We were staying at my sister's, but we've been trying to come home and they're like, nope, can't come home. Officials in San Bernardino County say the storm will impact the mountain roads through this afternoon. They say opening up primary roads is the first priority for the work crews. So heavy machinery is being used to clear away more than three feet of snow in some areas before the plows can even go through. Then we're keeping an eye on this strong mudslide that caused excessive damage to homes and road closures 
near Beverly Crest. The mud flow damaged a power pole before pouring out on Mulholland Drive. LA City Fire's Dan Levin says fortunately no injuries were reported. What we found was a significant uh, mudslide beneath one home. We've gone ahead and evacuated two homes. The mud started flowing on Monday night and firefighters were dispatched to Mulholland Drive yesterday hey, morning. Michelle? The Department of Transportation says road closures in the canyons are expected for at least 24 hours. In LA, Chris Adler, KFI News. That's my favorite. And handle pops up in the morning. God, I cannot. I just can't stop that from happening. He just hits the wrong button, right? Yeah, he tries to talk to Michelle or me, and he <laughs> he thinks he's hitting the IFB, and he just decides to let everybody know that he needs Michelle's help. <sighs> it's going to be this morning, isn't it? It's going to be everybody. Everybody morning. buckle up, everybody. Woo! Everybody strapped in. I'm ready. Oh, and look, and then this story, LAPD Chief Moore says the number of pursuits continues to climb. The chief says the pandemic led to a high number of auto thefts, which led to a spike in high-speed car chases. But Moore says he's concerned about pursuits that end with destruction and sometimes death, like an innocent bystander who was killed recently during a chase in the San Fernando Valley. Moore says he's revisiting the pursuit policy. We do have uh, and will continue to have supervisors actively involved in monitoring the decision to initiate a pursuit, as well as any decision to continue a pursuit. Moore says he wants to be sure officers balance the need to chase a criminal versus the risk to the general public. Steve Gregory, KFI News. To everybody on the 210, I'm glad that your drive is better than mine this morning, because had you left an hour ago, no go. Hey, I just got breaking news from NBC. Drug maker Eli Lilly is going to cap the cost of insulin at $35 a month. And this is big, because what this could do is prompt other big insulin producers to lower the cost of the expensive medication. Remember when it was hundreds of hundreds of dollars and people were saying, I just don't have the money to get my insulin. And also what this does is it's going to put Eli Lilly in line with the provision in the Inflation Reduction Act. Remember, that's the one that capped the out-of-pocket cost to insulin at $35 a month for seniors who are enrolled in Medicare. So I'm sure we're going to have more on this story as it happens through the morning and develops. Galen Druk, welcome back to Wake Up Call. Galen is the producer anchor of 538.com Politics Podcast. I have thought about this. If then, if President, if not President Biden, then who? You have 37% of Democrats saying that they want him to run again for re-election in 2024. That's not a ringing endorsement. That's not a ringing endorsement. And we also see when it comes to Biden's approval rating, his approval amongst Democrats is in the 70-something percent range, which, of course, is a majority. But for a sitting president, that's not particularly high. Folks might remember that when Trump was president, somewhere in the range of 90-some percent of Republicans approved of him. There was really no question about whether or not he would run for re-election in 2020. But there are sort of questions surrounding Biden. The issue, though, is, as you posed, if Folks, if Democrats in particular aren't satisfied with Biden, who will it be? And when you give Democrats options, they end up settling on Biden. So while they may not be overwhelmingly enthusiastic about the prospect, it really doesn't look like anyone else in the field has a great shot of taking his position. Yeah. And I, you know, immediately, usually if you think, okay, well, the president's not going to be the guy for the party that year, then let's look at the vice president. But her numbers are even worse than his in this poll. Yeah, so Harris has struggled a little bit in terms of popularity as vice president. 
And when you actually put it to Democratic voters and they say, okay, this is the field, consider Kamala Harris, consider Pete Buttigieg, consider Amy Klobuchar, consider Bernie Sanders, all the folks that you would think might potentially run in an open Democratic presidential primary field, Biden is besting sort of Harris in second place by 20 to 30 points. So, you know, that doesn't. So, first of all, I should say, if Biden decides to run for reelection, which every indication is that he will, there's almost zero chance that someone from his own administration would challenge him. So that means, you know, Harris, the vice president, is almost certainly not going to challenge him. Pete Buttigieg, his um, secretary and his cabinet, is not going to challenge him. Um, it would have to be somebody who really didn't have a good relationship with the Democratic Party in general, um, or someone who didn't really care about their relationship with the Democratic Party. And I'll say at least for, for one, uh, it looks like Marianne Williamson, um, the self-help author, plans on announcing her run for president this weekend. So that's one example of somebody who would run against Biden, um, you know, regardless. You know, I don't know uh, if Marianne Williamson necessarily has a chance against Biden. However, the quirky spiritualism that she brought and weren't there crystals or something the last time that she ran? I enjoy covering her just for the uh, the I don't want to say entertainment factor, but just for the uh, quirkiness that she brings to the race. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's probably one of the reasons that she runs. I think a lot of people make the calculation in the modern era that they don't have a lot to lose by running for president because the worst thing is you, you know, you lose, but you sell a bunch of books, you get a bunch of email addresses, and you undoubtedly can see that Marianne Williamson's level of fame increased as a result of her running for president. I mean, frankly, I didn't really know who Marianne Williamson was before she ran for president. Right. And so, you know, even if, Look, it's not a serious challenge to Biden. There's not, I can tell you right now, there's not a chance that if Biden runs, Marianne Williamson wins the Democratic primary. But, you know, she can make some critiques from the left um, of Biden that will get covered in the press because she is an interesting character. Absolutely. Galen, I love chatting with you, and I wish we had the chance to do it more because you just have a fun take on politics, and it's one that I think people get behind. And that's why they listen to you. 538.com politics podcast. Galen Druk is the producer anchor. Hope to talk to you again. Thanks a lot. Have a good right. day. See you later, Galen. All right, let's get back to some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Early on in the morning, we had some breaking news coming out of Greece. Rescue efforts are underway in Greece, where a freight train crash has killed at least 32 people and hurt 85. Fire service officials say multiple train cars derailed and at least three caught fire in a city north of Athens. A passenger train from Athens heading north collided head-on with a southbound cargo train. ABC's Andy Field says the crash was so violent it derailed four passenger cars and crushed two other cars. Fire service officials say at least three caught fire. Police in Greece say a station master now has been arrested. Do you remember Charles Manson follower Linda Kasabian? She's died. She was involved in the famous Tate LaBianca murders just weeks after joining the Manson family. Well, uh, she uh, went on to be the main witness in that 1970 trial that sent Manson and three more of his followers to jail. The Washington Post said she died January 21st at a hospital in Washington. She was 73.
Mountain areas in SoCal have gotten more snow as this latest storm moves through. Officials in San Bernardino County say they've been working to clear roads, help people stranded at the bottom of the mountain, and speed up the delivery of food and medications to the top of the mountain. In fact, this woman works at a convenience store. A lot of people are wanting eggs, milk, all that good stuff, more bread, all the like the little stuff that people want, fruit, um, more dog food, cat food, because people are really looking for that stuff too. Lake Arrowhead and Running Springs have been impacted the most with the snow, and you are not imagining it. I just saw a story on ABC7. Today could mark the eighth day in a row that the temperature hasn't risen above the 50s in downtown L.A. That would tie a streak that was set in 2005. And finally, this is what it sounded like at Indian Springs High School. That's a high school. All right. It was a protest that turned rowdy at Indian Springs High School in San Bernardino. It resulted in pepper spray being used on students. The protest yesterday was against racism, but a small group of kids got disruptive, as they say. And then they turned aggressive. One student can be seen on the video wrestling with school officials before a campus safety officer used that pepper spray. Let's say good morning now to the guy who is our newest team member, the host of Rich on Tech. He's heard here Saturdays, 11 to 2 on KFI. Hi, Rich. Good morning. Good morning to you, Jennifer. You have to hear stories like that where things went crazy at a high school and think, hey, look at my boys are getting older. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. Never a dull moment. That's for sure. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about, can we start with Blue Sky? And the reason I want to start with that is because Twitter has had so many issues. It seems like the last, I don't know, week or so. And even after a two-hour outage, I'm seeing this morning that Twitter is back on. But there have got to be people who are like, all right, enough with this. This keeps going out. I need an alternative. Yeah, and you got to remember when Twitter first started, the outages were were the biggest like feature. It was the fail whale, which show up all the time. I'm taking you way back to when it started. Yeah. It never worked right. So anyway, now we're back to where we started. Uh, but this new Twitter uh, alternative is called Blue Sky, and this was started by one of the co-founders of Twitter, Jack Dorsey. Uh, it is now in beta testing, so it's hit the App Store. And basically, the big thing about this is that it's more of an open source, um, you know, Twitter alternative. Now, you might have heard of Mastodon, which a lot of people went to. That's another open source alternative that's seen a little bit of traction. I think all of these alternatives have seen a little bit of a uh, a little bit of traction. But the reality is, Jen, if your friends aren't there, do you really want to be there? Because no, exactly. And if some of the, the people that you follow news sources or something like that, or you get your entertainment from, if they're not on there, you're like, meh. I'll go back to the old thing and just, you know, I'll bitch and moan when it goes out, but then otherwise, it's good for the rest of the time. Now, can we talk about this Microsoft update that's bringing iMessages to your Windows PC? I've noticed that I did the update, the most recent update, and it's like, I, I feel like I have to go back through and sort of click on things, and, and um, I'm almost reprofiling myself. Yeah, this is a very, very big update for Windows 11. So a couple of new things. Number one, uh, Bing, you'll see a new Bing logo in your little search bar, in the task bar. That's a huge difference. Um, And so, and also the AI-powered search is going to be in there as well. Uh, Let's see, what else? So the big thing is, well, real quick with the uh, Windows 11, there's now a a screen recording tool for the first time. So this is something that Apple has had built in forever. Now you finally have it built into Windows. So if you want to screen record... 
And the other thing that you mentioned is, yes, you can finally link up your iPhone to your Windows PC and get your messages. But, Jen, it's not going to be the end all. Basically, your messages will come through, but you can't send pictures. You can't participate in group texts. Um, and only the messages that you sent through this new little program uh, will actually show up in the list on your computer. So not all of your historical messages. So you're almost going to have to, like I said, sort of almost recreate whatever list you might have had on your old phone. You've got to recreate it now because it's not, you're right, it's not just a copy and paste, hey, I, you know, can transfer everything over. It doesn't work like that. No, this is this is Microsoft kind of working around these uh, systems that Apple has put in place to keep people on their systems. So it's not going to be perfect. Let's put it that way. But it's called PhoneLink for iOS. Uh, you can sign up to be a tester. It's going to open up wide, uh, hopefully, after you know they get some feedback on it. I think it was about, through, I don't know, right before the pandemic. So three years ago, wish that we were doing uh, the live broadcast at the Crystal Cathedral for Katarina's Club. So it was one December and we were doing our, you know, our big push. And I had done the show and I had left my phone on stage. And Gary and Shannon started the next show by talking about all the pictures that they were able to go through on this phone that did not have a passcode on it. It was just open. That's me. I'm I'm that girl who's like, "Eh, nobody's going to get my phone. I got it. There's nothing on there. I don't care what they see. You know what? All of a sudden you change your mind when you're like, wait, what is on there? And people are on stage talking about it to thousands and millions of people on the radio. And ever since then, I have had an iPhone passcode, and I protect that puppy like you can't believe. And now there's more protection for that passcode? Well, you're very smart. A big Wall Street Journal article about how basically a very low-tech way of stealing people's identities is watching them put their passcode into their phone and then taking their phone and putting that passcode in. And what the Wall Street Journal kind of revealed is that it's very easy to reset a person's entire Apple ID password just by having their passcode for their phone. So that is really scary, something that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. So once you open up someone's phone, you can go right into iCloud and say, change my password and lock them out of everything. So with that said, what do you need to do? Number one, uh, use a strong passcode on your phone. Number two, they go right to your financial apps, the Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, your bank, and they try to see if they can send money to themselves. So any app that allows a secondary passcode to open it once your phone is open, definitely set that up. I've never done that in the past. Now I'll be doing that for sure. Yeah. Um, Password manager, make sure you have an additional password on that because otherwise they could open your phone, go into your password manager. And Jennifer, finally, the thing I see a lot of people do, they put their phone away when it's still unlocked. So they just take their phone out, they use it, and then they put it back in their purse or pocket when it's still unlocked. Use that side button to lock your phone and set the auto lock to the minimum 30 seconds. All right, Rich, thank you as always for everything. What do you got going on this weekend? Do you have a plan already? Uh, You know, I think on Saturday I'm just going to head to the studios and do, I don't know, like a three-hour radio show at 11 (laughs) a.m. on KFI. 11 to 2, Rich DeMiro, Rich on Tech. He is the host of that show. You can find him, richontech.tv, and you can that's his website, but Rich on Tech on social media everywhere. We are loving having you as an official part of the team. Thanks, Jennifer. It's so fun. I love it. It's, it's, it's been a long time coming. Let's put it that way. All right, awesome. Rich, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. All right, stay, stay dry. Oh, my gosh, yes, you too. That's uh, KFI's host of Rich on Tech, 11 to 2 on Saturday, Rich DeMiro. All right, Tyler, I want to bring you in here because I don't think that we can stress enough
how crazy these commutes are right now. And um, my my uh, advice to you this morning is if you have an opportunity to work from home today, take it because the standing water in the roads is crazy. But also, I mean, these the um, I guess people just can't freaking drive in the rain. Too true. But you had an issue in the rain that had basically only to do with the rain, probably. Well, okay. So last night, driving into downtown LA, I was trans. I was on the transition from the five south to the one ten, which takes you. You know, it's it's just past Stadium Way to go to Dodger Stadium, but there's yes. that there's that wrap around on the backside where a lot of people will take to avoid traffic. But it also takes you to Chinatown, and it takes you into downtown LA. Anyway, that transition is just a two lane transition, and there was a pothole with a little bit of rubble loose. And I didn't see it until the very last second. And so I I was able to move my wheel just a little to the left. And in doing that, when I hit the pothole, the little piece of gravel that was loose was big enough to just go right into the side of my front right wheel. Oh, man. Uh, So I, I had to deal with a flat tire yesterday. So, yes, highly recommend if you can stay home, if you can avoid the roads for as long as humanly possible right now, it's twofold. The roads are soaked, and there's a lot of damage on the roads that mm-hmm. could ultimately wind up damaging your car. Wait, so care. wait, you're trying to say that there are potholes in L.A. that haven't been filled and the rain could just further erode them? Well, let's be honest. We haven't seen <laughs> rain this bad in a very long time, and Los Angeles infrastructure isn't the best. That's a nice way of putting it. Absolutely. All right, so Tyler's tale, cautionary tale is one that I echo this morning after getting stuck in a shutdown on the 210 for about 15 minutes early this morning before four, flipped around, came home. It is that kind of a day. So just don't drive if you don't have to. In fact, let's get into our drive. We've got the rain, by the way, all day today. Snow in the mountains, 2,500 feet-ish. Looks like about the lowest we'll go. Vanessa Bryant and her daughters will get more than $28 million to settle their claim against L.A. County over the graphic photos that were taken and shared following Kobe Bryant's fatal helicopter crash. And Jane Wells, I have a couple of stories that are breaking right now. CNBC's Jane Wells joins us. You can follow her at Jane Wells on social media. And soon she is going to be filling in for the vacationing John and Ken. When is that, Jane? Uh, I'll be there a week from Friday. So much to talk about. Hello, Jen. Hello, Jane. Okay, so let's start about news that broke right as the show started. Pharmaceutical giant Eli Lilly is yeah. now going to co- or, uh, charge $35 a month for out-of-pocket cost of insulin. Yes, this is a 70% cut for their insulin, their most popular <sighs> insulin prices. And there's been a lot of pressure on them. Uh, to reduce these prices. And, you know, if they're cutting it by 70%, that means they're not selling it at a loss, you know? Yeah. So uh, maybe there's something to something what profits are reasonable. <laughs> yeah. So well, in, uh, in any case, it's good news for people with diabetes who take it, and it's so expensive. And was isn't the Inflation Reduction Act, wasn't that a requirement anyway to cap the cost of the out-of-pocket insulin uh, for the seniors who are enrolled in Medicare. So it doesn't this really put Eli Lilly, I guess, at the the head of the pack when it comes to these pharmaceutical companies sort of um, making them or, you know, making themselves the example. And might we see then these other big companies follow? I suppose, um, you know, insulin has really been a sticking point in these debates about drug costs. So I don't know. I don't know what Eli Lilly's market share is, if they're like the largest insulin maker and therefore really nobody else needs to follow. But I always think 
with these drug care costs and hospital costs and medical costs because it's just such a uh, opaque system that even though they're trying to add transparency, we never really know. If you're still selling, if you're cutting it 70%, you're still selling it in a profit, right? So, huh. I mean, I get it. You're not a charity, but wow. Yeah. Um, and the whole fact that insurance pays parts of it too, and, and we're paying insurance rates and premiums, I, I, it's, it is still the most confusing, ridiculous system of any of the ridiculous systems we have in this country. It reminds me of gas prices when we talk about price gouging and things like that. And wait a minute, how are these companies? I understand that they need to make a profit, but should you be charging us what you're charging us? You know, at the same time, isn't there something? I mean, I get capitalism. I understand it. But come on now. And it, I've always felt that same way with pharmaceutical companies. Right. Uh, I would say the big difference is, you know, we could you could cut back driving on your car or carpool. If you need insulin, that that's not really that's not really a choice you have. No. It, you know, there's so many things like that. Another thing I was going to even talk about today is, you know, you talked about gas prices, gas prices, when oil goes up, they shoot up. Right. But when oil prices come down, it takes forever for the gas prices to come down. Well, the same thing is happening in your bank accounts right now. You know, interest rates are going way up. I'm a Bank of America customer. My savings account is still getting like, you know, 0.04% annual interest rate. Right. But mortgages, are, they're selling at Bank of America now for six and a half. Now, again, banks make their money and charging more interest for money they loan than they pay you on your savings. But that's a it, when are when are savings account rates going to start to move up even a smidge to match interest rates? It's time to shop around for a new savings account. Absolutely. And yeah, and sometimes I think that we're lazy when it comes to yeah. things like banking where yeah. we're like, nah, it's just fine. I don't want to take the hassle to go and look around and go to another one. That's what they're counting on. So I actually got so upset over my savings account rate that I went on bank rate yesterday and Barclays and Capital One have better rate. They have like a three and a half percent on their savings account. And so, but you're right, Jen, I have to get off my butt and move some money over there. But I think I'm now motivated enough to do that. That's huge. Okay, so yeah, I'll be looking at that later too. And you were talking about uh, mortgage uh, mortgages, and I just saw the story from the Mortgage Bankers Association where rising mortgage rates are the reason for this drop in mortgage applications. I guess it fell, I think, uh, let me look, 6% last week. Yeah, it is. Uh, oh, I saw it here. It's like at a multi, multi-year low. Home mortgage demand drops to a 28 year low. I mean, we're talking before some of your audience was even born. Born. (laughs) That's how low demand is right now because of these higher interest rates. And there's still not a lot of inventory. Although uh, I do know someone who just put a townhome up in Westlake Village and they had somebody come in at 15 grand over offer. So I don't know. It's who knows what's going on. But yes, it's it's a it's it's the same thing. The mortgage rates goes up, people don't buy. They're going to wait for it to come down. It's like we talked about before. I want to get a home equity line of credit. Uh, I was even looking at Bank of America. Boy, they're making a fortune off those. I'm not going to get one right now. Right, exactly. Jane, you're so good to shop around. And uh, y'all, you're in Austin. What y'all doing in Austin this morning? Oh my gosh, it's going to be 85 degrees here today. Oh, Can I just tell you that? Rub it in. Oh, my gosh. I got here yesterday. I had this coat. I'm like, what am I doing here? So I was here talking to a bunch of CFOs. So the big thing is 
a lot of people have left California for Texas. And about uh, it's estimated in a New Yorker article that 10% of the newcomers to Austin are from California. And they're driving up home prices, and, you know, there's all kinds of building, and they think the traffic is terrible now and all those sorts of normal things. But it has also changed and improved the Austin economy with all the tech hiring. Now, however, one of the problems is that tech is laying off, not just in Silicon Valley, but in places like Austin. And so there are a bunch of Californians now who may be losing their jobs. They're still not having to pay state income tax. Here's the other thing that's interesting, though. You know, Austin is this blue dot in a big red state. Right. And some Californians have come here because of the blue. But a lot of Californians have come here because of the red. And so, I mean, there, there are uh, restrictions on abortion after six weeks, that sort of thing. And so rather than making Austin bluer, there is also a sense that Californians coming here are making Texas even redder and leaving California even bluer. But then you have billionaires. There are about a dozen of them here, like Elon Musk. He's having right. a Tesla shareholder uh, meeting here today. He moved to Texas, made a big deal about it. But you notice Elon is showing up in California an awful lot. He's working yeah. out of Twitter headquarters in San Francisco. Gavin Newsom is falling all over himself to welcome him to the expansion <laughs> or the, a new Tesla plant. So I am curious to see long term how much of these Californians stay here only because, and this is just me, I just don't think Texas is pretty. I don't think uh, I don't think Austin is pretty. Oh, People will I disagree with it. me. Oh, I, love I it. just think it's really flat and boring. You know, uh, but, maybe that's what know. I liked about it. It was like literally, it was big skies. I loved the big sky feeling, like you could see forever. I don't know, but plus, I love the music scene in Austin. So I'm kind True. of a and I'm an food. Austin magnet. Yeah. So, hey, yeah, really quickly, I did not know that the Ukrainian family that was featured in a piece that Steve Gregory did recently was a friend yes. of yours. Uh, yes. So my crazy friend, Sherry Phoenix, and her husband, John Langawa, out of the pure kindness of their heart, they're making nothing off this, have taken in the Kurdas, a family of five Ukrainians, no family, no friends, no English, but they have skills. Anyhow, they finally started to go fund go fund me for them if you go on gofundme and you search for the curtis k-u-r-t-a help the curtis um they're raising money so they can get first and last month's rent a security deposit things because they can they can work they just have no job they have no jobs and no credit history what they really oh, need yeah. Jen, is a rich ukrainian american or someone who speaks russian which they also speak who is going to step in and help them that's what they really need but sherry meantime they're at her house for now. All right. Well, hopefully <laughs> people. Kids. Yeah. And I just looked. There's a picture on GoFundMe is this beautiful Ukrainian family. Oh, you guys. Adorable. The kids are so cute right there. I'm like, yeah. all right, I'll help out because the kids are adorable. No, seriously, the Kurta family. So go to GoFundMe, help the Kurtas, K-U-R-T-A-S. And let's help this yeah. family get first and last month's rent so that they can be a productive part. They want to be. That's the point. And so let's help them yes. be that and, you know, become part of our community. Jane, thank you. And thank your friend, Sherry. That's awesome. I will. Thank you. All right. We'll see you later, Jane. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Let's say good morning now to ABC's Jim Ryan. And uh, we were talking about the commute this morning. And, yeah. uh, you know, for us, this today anyway, it's just 
you know, it, it's don't go out on the roadways. I had to flip around and come home because the freeway just shut down. And uh, that's the kind of thing that the Governor's Highways Association watches for is just how safe our roads are. And, man, if you're a pedestrian, let's just, let's just not be a pedestrian, I think, is the advice. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a problem. More people are ditching their cars and trucks because of inflation, because of the relatively high price of gasoline, so they're parking them. And they've decided to walk or to work or to school, Jen, and uh, unfortunately that puts them at risk of being struck and killed. The, uh, the, highway, the Governor's Highway Safety Association says that in the first half of 2022, and that's the latest they have figures for, the first half, 3,500 people in the U.S., were killed as they were walking to and from wherever they were going. So for the whole year, it's more like 7,000, undoubtedly. That's up 5% from the same period the year before. 18%, nine times faster than the U.S. population growth in the three years leading up to that. So Mm. massive increases in the number of people who are being struck and killed. You know, I think that in part, I'm going to hold myself accountable in both of these categories. I drive too quickly, mm-hmm. so I know that that's an issue. But also, I have been known to walk down the street looking at my iPhone, and I'm not paying attention. Yes. And there's a very good chance that I'm going to walk right into something that I shouldn't. Right. And you and YouTube is full of videos of people walking into manholes or banging into light poles as they're yep. walking along looking at their phones. Yeah, it's funny, I guess, but at the same time, uh, those folks are running the risk of being struck and killed. I covered a, an accident about oh, four or five years ago kid was walking along railroad tracks, headed home from school with earbuds in, didn't hear the train come up behind him and kill him. Uh, And you're seeing situations like that. So it's not just distracted driving that's an issue. It's also distracted walking on the part of pedestrians. But you're right. The majority of the blame has to go to drivers who are still driving too fast, even though traffic has begun to build after the pandemic, and who are still driving with their phones in their hands, looking down, looking up, looking down, and then running somebody over. I'm I'm curious as to um, if this study, and I don't know if it broke it down this way, but can they look at days of the week? Because, you know, here, at least in L.A., we notice Mondays and Fridays, there's pretty much nobody on the road. It's a yeah. free-for-all. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays seem to be the days that people who have the ability from home are going into work. And I'm just curious if there's kind of an uptick in the middle of the work week because of maybe more people on the roads. Yeah, this didn't look at that specifically, but I know that in the past, statistics have shown that. They've shown that was the case that on those busier days, and for whatever reason, Monday also is a is a big day for accident. People are, are coming off the weekend. Mm-hmm. They, this study did break it down by state. And the, the, the leading states, California, Texas, Florida, the three biggest in terms of population, we three are responsible for 40% of the uh, the pedestrian fatalities. I mean, that's because of the large populations. But the way they measure this, Jen, is by 100,000 population. That evens everything out, right? So Okay, got it. So your statistics will, will match up against Idaho statistics, for example, because it's based on pedestrian fatalities per 100,000. California has 1.3 pedestrian fatalities per 100,000 population. A little smaller than that for Texas. Florida leads the pack with almost two passenger or, or pedestrian fatalities per 100,000. And it's a warm weather state kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The further you go north, uh, the farther you get up into New England, the lower these numbers are. Yeah, and, and which makes sense because I was just thinking, okay, you need a car if you live in California. Sure. You need a car in Texas. You need a car in Florida. But you go to some of those little uh, beach towns in Florida or something like that. Everybody is walking the streets. I was in 
uh, Treasure Island, Florida, mm. year before last for New Year's. And I remember like, oh my gosh, it wasn't the car traffic that kept you from being able to go places. It was the foot traffic that was wild. Yeah, and, and places like that, in, in, in places where public transit is uh, heavily in use, mm-hmm. you see the numbers, like like in New York. New York is right up there in terms of population, and yet the incidence of pedestrian fatality is about a third, which you'll find in Florida. Yeah, when I worked in the Bay Area, BART, you know, everybody takes mm-hmm. BART, especially if you're working around San Francisco, the last thing you want to do is have a car there. But it was so, man, when you had pedestrians, I've never seen so many people either jaywalk or run, you know, the light turns red and they're still booking across the road. And it's uh, it's just this um, kind of anti-car mentality almost downtown. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be here. You should be on, you know, Muni or you should be on something else and not have your car downtown. It was a very funny like juxtaposition, almost like car shaming in a way. Yeah. Well, you remember the game Frogger, right? Oh, yes. Of <laughs> course. Right. Trying to get across the street or across the stream, and you're risking getting run over. It's kind of like that in real life, but uh, you know. And for a lot of reasons, it's it's the pandemic-related uh, speeding, it's the distracted driving, and it's distracted walking. It's also a lack yeah. of sidewalks in a lot of places, and that's oh, one yeah. thing that this association is pushing for: more sidewalks, more streetlights to illuminate the area at night, and more traffic signals. All right, Jim, thank you so much. And by the way, I love Frogger and hate that damn game. I don't know that I've ever made it across. You're going to be stuck with that song in your head all day now. Yes, exactly. Thanks a lot, Jim. <laughs> You're welcome. Appreciate ending the show with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that uh, earworm. All right, well, let's get back to some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Nope, you are not imagining it. Today could mark the eighth day in a row that the temperature has not risen above the 50s in downtown L.A., and that would tie a streak That we set in 2005. Drug maker Eli Lilly, as we've been talking about, breaking news this morning, it's capped the out-of-pocket cost of its insulin at 35 bucks a month. So this cap automatically applies to people with private insurance. And as Jane Wells was talking about, this is a 70% reduction for Eli Lilly. But they're still going to make a profit off of it. Just think about that. People with insurance can sign up for Eli Lilly's copay assistance program, and the average list for the price of one vial of insulin in the U.S. in 2018 was estimated to be $98.70. Well, Chicago's first black woman to lead the city as mayor has been denied a second term. When a door closes, another one opens, and so it will be. Lori Lightfoot has been denied that second term. Former Chicago Public School CEO Paul Vallis and Commissioner Brandon Johnson, who was endorsed by the Chicago Teachers Union, now will move forward in a runoff election in April. Vallis told his supporters last night at the election party he vows to be tough on crime. We will have a safe Chicago. We will make Chicago the safest city in America. Critics blame Lightfoot for increased crime and called her a divisive leader. She is the first elected Chicago mayor to lose re-election since 1983. Some people with a criminal past could be getting a break in L.A. County. Most businesses in the unincorporated areas of the county could be barred from excluding job applicants with criminal records. The L.A. County Board of Supervisors unanimously backed a proposal yesterday that directs its staff to draft a comprehensive fair chance ordinance. The proposal would require employers to make it clear when posting jobs that qualified applicants with arrest or conviction records 
will be considered. It would also prevent employers from asking those looking for a job to disclose information about their criminal history. Deborah Mark, KFI News. Well, the first official homeless death review in OC has found a spike from 103 deaths in 2012 to 395 people dying on the street in 2021. The numbers uh, have gone up directly attributed to fentanyl, uh, 164 just in these numbers for the 2021. And we think those numbers are going to continue to increase. OC Sheriff Don Barnes says the homeless deaths still being tallied from last year could reach 500. He says fentanyl pushed the leading cause of deaths from natural causes to accidental, and that includes drug overdoses. Yesterday's report also found that most of the homeless people had spent time in jail, but Barnes says the majority of people in jail refused services. Police in Anaheim are trying to figure out who was flying a drone that crashed at Disneyland. So this drone, I guess, was hovering a few feet over people's heads on Sunday, and then it crashed in Frontierland near the Mark Twain Riverboat dock. You know, right there, I think that's where the canoe comes through, sort of right in that area. The airspace over Disney theme parks is usually restricted. And finally, let's end the show with something I bet, because I know that we literally have hundreds of thousands of people who listen to Wake Up Call in the morning, which makes me very nervous, just for the record. Uh, Somebody right now is eating something with maple syrup on it, right? Somebody at home just went, oh my God, how'd she know I'm eating maple syrup? Did you know there's a maple syrup season and it's early and that's not good. Despite the cold winter weather we're having in the Southland, other parts of the country are having it a little warmer in areas that produce maple syrup. Maple farms from Vermont through New England and into Canada say syrup season is usually in March and April as the freezing nights and warmer days gets that sap to flow. The warmer winter means less freezing at night, so the syrup's coming earlier and there's less of it. It's also got less sugar in it, so it's got to be boiled longer for bottling, which means smaller amounts, which will probably mean higher prices. The maple syrup industry takes in about 100 47 million dollars a year in the u.s alone michael crozier kfi news this is kfi and kost hd2 los angeles orange county your socal weather from kfi a very rainy day the rain will taper off later this afternoon and then we get to dry out thursday friday saturday sunny temperatures will be a little bit warmer we could see some low 60s then there is a tiny chance of more rain starting again on Sunday. We lead local, live from the KFI 24-hour newsroom. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. This has been your wake-up call.